Hello, ladies and gentlemen. So, we're doing great today. It's my pleasure to be with you tonight. It's Fire Parenting Weekly. Uh, thank you for joining us uh, tonight. It's the second phase of our conversation on the subject matter of, report of uh, running a boarding school, of securing a friendly and protective environment for children in the boarding school. Now, last week I had this conversation with you and I was looking at um, I was looking at the basic things we need to put in place when it comes to running a boarding school vis-a-vis uh, -vis securing a friendly and protective environment for children. I believe we had a rich conversation. And um, today we are really looking at when is a boarding school safe in the eye of the law. And I'm not going to be doing this conversation alone. I'm going to be doing the conversation with a brother and a friend, uh, Mr. Luyinka Oyeniji, who is going to be joining us tonight. He's joining us all the way, all the way from another part of the world. Uh, he's here with us to join me uh, so that together we can make sense out of this conversation. It's a conversation that is critical. Uh, please note, we are not jumping into this conversation because there's, a, there's a, a trending case. No, over the years, we have been committed to the cause of uh, safety of children in school. Uh, Mr. Oyeniji brings a unique dimension to it in the sense that it was in the forefront of getting justice for a family whose daughter you know, was uh, uh, died in a school under very suspicious and uh, circumstances uh, where the school in all ramification was culpable. And so, um, as an opening thought, I, I want to take Mr. Oyeniji's opening thought to this conversation. I will make some further introduction, then uh, I will take him on fully. Mr. Oyeniji, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, it's my pleasure to have you today. Thank you very much, sir. Uh, thank you for the reminder. I'm sorry that I forgot. I, I mean, it's amazing because it's something I'm passionate about. I didn't believe that it would be last minute before I remember about it. The reason is because I find this present issue you are discussing the present case very, uh, very gruesome in my own words. And I, I ran away from reading the story until you fished me out to have the privilege of joining you today. So uh, it's sad. Uh, we are Christians, but then we know what is right. Uh, what I have tried to do uh, in preparing for this um, program is to consider how to be constructive going forward. Uh, before now, I used to just concentrate on the advocacy part, hold people responsible, make so much noise about it. But in our process of rebuilding Nigeria, which we must do, especially on this auspicious occasion, which is the first day of the year. We must engage productively and constructively to ensure that this never happens again. So I'm, I'm glad and privileged to join you, sir. And I pray by the grace of God that uh, this program will contribute in no small measure as a deterrent to this happening in the future, sir. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Yeniti, for that uh, wonderful wonderful introduction. Uh, I, will, I will set the ball rolling this way. Uh, yeah. When a child is abused in a school, 
it is my thinking, and I think it is the thinking of the law, that particularly if it is sexual abuse, which is a criminal offense, I believe that at that from that moment when the child is sexually molested in the school, like the trending case that we have now, uh, that school becomes a crime scene. Everybody who is supposed to provide care for the child becomes a suspect. Now, in that instance, you your defense again is also envisaged by the law. You know, when the law creates an offense, the law creates the ingredients of the offense. The law does not only create the ingredients of the offense, the law goes further to create the de possible, possible defense to an offense. No, you don't create your own defense. You may think you have a defense, but the defense must be within the purview of the law. And in the course of the week, uh, we were sending out messages when we were advertising this program to say that when it comes to protecting children, the things that you need to do are not, are majorly not what you begin to do after the matter has been reported or after mm -hmm. the, the matter has been alleged. The most of the things you need to do are supposed to have been done before the incident occurs. So when we are talking about investigation, what you are supposed to be doing is to be showing these were the steps that we took. These were the things we were doing to protect children in our school. And so uh, my first question to you is, is this. Can you speak to this reality of the steps you need to take uh, in terms of ensuring that your school is safe and, and what your, rest, your immediate response should be in the case of uh, possible case of abuse? All right, thank you, sir. Um, I've looked at this situation and I see that is a, is, uh, the response is a mess from the start. And I was speaking to you from what I've read in the news. Um, I read that the Ministry of Education, the State Ministry of Education was involved at the point and eventually uh, the Ministry of Education withdrew and then left it uh, to law enforcement agencies and all of that to conduct an investigation. This is uh, a long period of time after the alleged act. So if you are looking at it from the crime scene, you already know that there's nothing to get from that scene anymore. I'd rather look at it uh, pragmatically and say for starters, uh, are there regulations in that state to uh, determine how you run a boarding school? Do people procure licenses? Do you go through a procedure to ensure that um, the different aspects of, of providing a safe environment for, for children uh, have been, uh, are there to have been complied with? Um, let's not start looking at it from uh, we have a crime now how do we investigate no go back to the basics how did the group the school get the license to operate a boarding facility where children are, are in school and the 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 accommodation is in school they don't go home that's number one number two if you are sure that the school is properly licensed to be uh, one that provides accommodation the next step should be how often do the educational authorities or the agencies involved, how often do they monitor what is happening in these schools? Because you know my problem is, this is a private institution and that is why it is at the front corner. Public institutions, whatever you find in private institutions, 
rest assured that in public institutions is far worse. Now, I'm not going to discuss this in context of what is happening alone. For each of those educational institutions that have suffered kidnap of, of children, that have suffered some kind of abuse whatsoever, while they are in school, the responsibility is the same, whether it's a public school or a private school. But what you find is this, and it is the case with Nigeria, and indeed some parts of the world, where the private sector takes the initiative and determines for itself how it does business. It cuts across. The telecoms companies, they set the rules. The broadcast stations, they set the rules for NBC. It is everywhere. Private educational institutions, they set the rules because the government agencies are simply incapable. Now, we are talking about it being a crime that uh, has to be investigated, but these are children involved. We don't even know. I don't know for, for now. I'm not certain that in this uh, instance that it is the teacher that is the suspect. Other students could be could be involved. I know I know of cases where uh, children have been initiated into a, a certain uh, type of sexual orientation to be gay by other students. Remember that the suspects in those situations are still children in the eyes of the law. The victims are children as well. So for the commissioner of police to go all out and say, oh, this is a, 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 a criminal case and all of that, and they want to investigate, you must understand. The victim, the suspects, all of them require some type of protection. So this is not an investigation that I will see that is strictly criminal. In fact, my um, elementary knowledge of, of law and criminal investigation as of now, sir, says that even the children, this crime, I don't think that if you find out that the suspects are children, that you will try them as adults. No, I don't think so. So it means that even if you find that the students or the suspects themselves are students, you still require to protect them in the eyes of the law. The type of investigation they are su subjected to is different from those of the adults. This is a delicate situation. And I'd love to give a Yoruba proverb. Uh, you can't go all out and say, oh, okay. you've got to be okay. really careful. It's a delicate situation and you can't, yeah. you, can't, you can't cut the tree from the top. You have to go to the roots yeah. because if you keep unraveling this thing. I went to a secondary school where there were allegations, and I don't even believe there were allegations enough. They mm -hmm. were allegations only. In secondary mm -hmm. school, students are active, sexually active. Sexually active, there's no doubt about that. And when I was graduating from secondary school, the average age was 16 years old. Mm -hmm. We were consenting. Did we even know what we were doing? Yes, so let me ask yeah. Go on, sir. Okay. So, uh, I love the point you are making. You know, you are looking at the conversation holistically the way it should be looked at. And um, let me uh, share an experience with you. Yes, sir. Uh, my client's son was sodomized in a school. Yes, sir. And um, I was um, I was invited to... Please, can you, can you bring him back, please? I was invited to... Uh, we were briefed by the client. Yes, sir. Yes, and after sir. we were briefed, we wrote to the school that we wanted to... The, the allegation was that 
as a, 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 a grandson who is 10 years old or thereabouts was sodomized by two boys who were his seniors. Mm. And so when we showed up in the school, the school wanted to make it hush hush. And I told them that, look, we are here for, I'm not only here, I'm here in dual capacity. I'm yes, here sir. for the child who has been allegedly molested. I'm also here for those children who were who had allegedly molested our client. And yes, you know, because they did not invite the parents of those children. I said yes, at sir. this point is an allegation. What yes, I need sir. you to do is to invite the parents of the children that, that have been alleged to have sexually molested, you know, the child of our client. And I yes, told sir. them the meeting will not go on until the parents of those children were brought to the meeting and yes, um, we have a conversation. I told yes, them that you have no right to continue to interrogate in court the children, yes. these children who have been accused of sexual molesting another, you know, without informing their parents. This is a major issue. So we had to adjourn yes. the meeting to bring the parents. And yes, let me share with you my position when we met with the parents. I told the parents that if I were an ordinary, ordinarily a lawyer, my interest would be to represent my client's son. But, be, yes, but because I believe mm. my client mm. came to me because of my track record. My track yes, record is to take responsibility for, you know, every child in the matter. So yes, I asked the school fundamental question. The questions I was asking the school was, do you have a system in place to protect children? Yes, in terms of, do you have a policy? Do you yes, have sir. an anti-bullying policy? What yes, does sir. your health and security policy say? Yes, How sir. often do you train your staff? How often do you train the children? I asked yes, them all of those questions. Yes, and they could not answer all of those questions in their family. And I concluded and I told the parents of both my client and the parents of the children who have been alleged to have, you know, sexually molested the other child. I told yes, them that our common enemy, enemy here is the school. Because it is the school that has not put in place basic system to protect yes. the children. Yes. I told them, I said, the issue is not whether this 10-year-old has been abused or not. The yes. issue is that what measures did the school put in place to ensure that it did not happen? So we made it abundantly clear that the issue, therefore, is not whether those boys deny or they, they accept. It yes, is sir. that the school, we, who is supposed to be their local parents, who is supposed yes, to play the role of protecting these children, has yes, not put in place strong system to ensure yes, that the children are not abused. So I say yes, that sir. the culprit here is not the children. The culprit here is the caregiver because you know that when a crime is committed, there are three culprits, you know, categories of culprits. You have access to before the crime. You have access to mm. after the crime. You have the actual offense. I said the school, when they drop the ball in providing a safe haven, they become an accomplice. And yes, I try to explain my argument to the point that even parents are in some cases accomplices because what questions did you ask? What investigation yes, did you do before you register your child in a boarding school. Yes, so, sir. so I agree with you, sir, that we are dealing with a very delicate matter. The yes, children, sir. both the abused and the abuser, are yes, all victims, if I yes, may use that word, I'll get you yes, the word victim, are yes, all sir. affected persons in this yes, matter. It yes, is the school that, that as not what it's supposed to do, it is the regulatory body 
Yes, you know, sir. because you see, I don't think this is my opinion, and I will and I will take your thoughts on it. I don't think that the government of Ibom State can investigate this matter. They are interested parties. I do not think that the school, you know, can say they are investigating investigating the matter. They are interested parties. The school is a scene of a crime. Mm. The, the the operators of the scene of the crime cannot say they are investigating anything. A school cannot investigate a crime. It's a crime. It's only a police or other agencies of government established for that purpose that can investigate a crime. Number two, the government is supposed to be the regulatory body. How are we going to know whether they did their work? In the case that you handled, you found... I don't want to mention their name. I don't know if I have their permission to mention their name. But in the case it's that you have... It's a public matter. Found, Let's discuss it. It's a public matter. Yes. We found that the school where the, where, where, where the daughter of the Arulogus died, the school did not have license to run a school, to run a body mm. school. Is that also something? Well, uh, well, the school wasn't even registered to... <laughs> it wasn't a registered entity to operate this. Yes. Faith Academy was registered as a business name, like many uh -huh. other educational institutions. So Can what happens is this. The process in Lagos and Ubon State that I know that I've seen is that when anybody wants to operate a school, they go to the Ministry of Education. It's the citizens yeah. who go. It's not even that government already has uh, the process in place for you to see or for you to make reference to. The citizens sometimes go to government themselves and say, I want to operate a school. What is the procedure? And then sometimes government officials send them to corporate affairs commission to go and register a business name because they said to them that the procedure or the process for, for getting licensed at the school is a long one. So they said go and register as a business name. And then after a while, they'll tick the boxes. Do you have this? Do you have this? And then they'll say you are licensed. I am yet to see any government in Nigeria that properly licenses any individual or entity to operate a school, a primary or secondary school. And I'm speaking with respect to Lagos State and Ogun State that I am aware of. The case of Faith Academy is clear. We are not soiling uh, anybody. It's a public issue. I searched their uh, file in Corporate Affairs Commission. It was registered as a business name. Now, this points back to exactly what I was saying earlier. The government does not have specific requirements for accrediting individuals or organizations to operate educational institutions. It is absent. It's what I'm saying. We, I and you have discussed it at the forum before. There are so many private schools in Lagos. How many of them are properly registered? The government does not have that template for registration. Is what is clear. The same way it's a tough issue to adopt a child or, uh, or to run orphanages, it's the same. What you find as, as much as possible is that people try to bend the rules to get these people licensed. So as of today, sir, there are some private schools that are excellent and I'm not advertising them. But I take it that we are advocating here and I know you and I know we can speak our hearts out for the public to know that we are genuine. Interestingly, the first time I, I had any uh, professional interaction with your friend, uh, Dele Faro to me, was over some similar matter. And I'm going to discuss it because the matter has ended. I've never told Dele Faro to me I was a lawyer for the school. I was on the other side this time. Dele Faro to me's law office was um, offering services to some child who had bullied another child in school. 
now you are going to examine it. I'm going to, I wish I could name this code, and I think I could name it because it's a good example. I'm talking about Grange. Grange Academy here. Grange is in JRE, uh, Kenya. Grange is excellent. All of those things that you have stated, Grange has it. Before then, I've never seen anything like it. Like it. Grange has something they call a behavioral calendar or a behavioral chart. Graph. Every child from resumption, you have your behavioral charts there. It starts at 600 points. As of two or three, maybe five years ago, that I was involved in the matter. Now, for every time that you, you run foul of the school laws, you are dropping on that. You are dropping on that chart. They have pasted on their walls everywhere anti-bullying policies that the children know and that the, the, the teachers also enforce. So in this case, the, the, the student was bullied and suffered injuries. The school immediately, the school has a health uh, center of what, you, what, what offers those kind of services. They took the child there, they examined the child, straight away from there, they got the child to Lagoon Hospital for further treatment. That's the victim now. They took the child to Lagoon Hospital and ensured that he all had adequate, excellent treatment. Then they called the child's parents to give an update of what has happened. And then they also called the parents of the uh, child, of, of the children who bullied another. And they called the child, they interviewed the child, before the, uh, that's, uh, if you like, the accused. They interviewed them. They had it written. They had sessions and they took records. They called in their parents, interviewed them again, and according to their set rules, they did something that they call excluding. They first suspended the children from school before excluding the children from school because they said bullying is never allowed. Now, Jennifer Otimi's uh, client, the parents of the children who offended, decided that they were going to sue the school. And I think they were just grandstanding. They said they were going to sue the school. Uh, why would the school exclude their children for something like this? Uh, the children were just playing this, this, and that, and all. The school did not mean words. Immediately, that lawsuit was filed. They retained our own services. And we had something to work with to adequately defend the school. It was excellent. We went to the family court. It wasn't a normal court setting. We went to the family court. They filed their papers. We filed ours. And the judge, Justice Oebanji, excellent woman, she gave a ruling that, that was superb for everybody. She said, the school has the right to enforce those rules. These rules are not anywhere in any uh, Lagos State uh, process. The child rights law of Lagos State is part with some of these things. Anytime we are in discussion with those in the Ministry of Justice, and by the way, the Ministry of Justice did add a program around September, October that I attended online. They are doing marvelously well. But trust me, they themselves are not properly trained. You can't give what you don't have. They have the desire to improve on their processes on even the child rights law that I think is superb because even enforce those present rules, you would have gotten somewhere before you start talking about upgrading or amendment. So the judge decided that the school had the right according to its own rules. There was something to, to back up whatever decision everybody was going to make. Now, according to these rules, it's something that the parents signed off on. On that behavioral chart, you sign off that you your, your children will be of good behavior and that the school is entitled to enforce such. 
So the judge said, according to the rules that the uh, school had already set, the school did not run foul of anything, including the right to fairly hear the accused persons or the suspect. And then instead of the, the because when you exclude, to get another school will be a problem. When you exclude, it's like a, we call it expulsion. You may have to get a, a correspondence from your former school to say, oh, these were the circumstances for which you need to change school. But in this case, the judge was lenient. And I, I was waiting to see if there would be an appeal. Then I would even say that the court didn't have a right to give more than what was requested. But the judge was wise. Justice Oribangi said, please, school, we know that this child has now run foul of what you have done. Of, 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 the, uh, of the process you have put in place. But please, whenever it is, it becomes necessary to write something on behalf of that child so that the child can get into get admitted into another school. Please don't hold back. And all of us went away happy. The parents of, of the victim, we were happy. I, as a legal practitioner, the job was easy for me to do. And even uh, the law firm of Dene Parenti they had they were, they were happy. That's a system that works. I, let me add this before you continue, sir. What Good. I don't want to happen, what I would tell the case, is a, a procedure where we will not properly apportion responsibility. Uh, if you look at an average child rights law or child rights act, which has been promulgated in Nigeria, the state ministry of justice or the ministry of education or the state governments themselves have not enforced at all. I'll add this and I'll keep my peace. There is supposed to be a committee set up by each state government to enforce child rights laws. This includes traders, market traders, advocates. Yes, you have advocates, you have people from the third sector, you have from the law enforcement agency, you have from traditional rulers, you have from local government. There is at least from uh, alphabet A to B of the constitution of that kind of committee till today. I don't think Lagos State has that committee. Okay, so let me inform. I think uh, that uh, Lagos State has that in place. Whether they meet regularly or not is a symposium discussion. Uh, you know, it's one thing for you to set up a committee. It's another thing for the committee to be funded. It's another thing for the committee to be responsible. It's another thing for the committee to be empowered to do their work. Uh, uh, so, so it's another thing for the committee to be trained. Now, another issue is the specialized police unit of the police. Now, yes, under the Child Rights Act, you know, you know, the, the funny thing is that the Child Rights Act is was promulgated in two thousand and three as um, domestication of the Convention on the Rights of the Child. Now, it's supposed to be domesticated in states. Now, Lagos State took the step of domesticating in two thousand and seven, but there is a major flaw in that law in that Lagos State is supposed to promulgate a law whereby it is supposed to take responsibility for the role of the police. You know, because, because the police, the specialized police unit is supposed to be responsible for enforcing the law. It's a specialized unit that has as far as the composition is different. You know, it's like the composition of the family court. Now, in the case of the judiciary, the Lagos State government has power to set up the judiciary, to set up the family court. In the case of specialized police units, it is the response, the, 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 the commissioner of police of Lagos State 
does not take instructions from the governor of Lagos State, who is the chief security officer of Lagos State. He takes instruction from the IG or the DIG. And so when you now have a specialized police unit that is set up for the purpose of enforcing matters that have to do with children in Lagos State, in Aquaibom State, in all the states where the law has been domesticated, you are dealing with a major challenge because the state is not supposed to have a say in the composition of that body. Then the Minister of Youth and Social Development or the Minister of Women Affairs and, and, and Social Development, whatever ministry that is mentioned in the law that is supposed to enforce that law is supposed to be working with the police and the, the Commissioner of Police or the head of Specialized Police Unit does not respond or does not take orders from the state government. So you now have that situation. That's number one. Number two is the fact that today, the, the specialized police unit is still called different name. You still go to Lagos, Etalaka, and they call it Juvenile Welfare. Now, Juvenile Welfare was the name under the the, the law, uh, the Young Persons Law, uh, Children and Young Persons Law, Juvenile and Young Persons Law, which has been abrogated by the promulgation of the Child Rights Act. Now, there's a lot wrong with the law. There's a lot wrong with the implementation of the law. And so that's why I was saying before your, your intervention, and I and I still want to make some points about your intervention, that Aquaibom State Government is already a party. Because if this thing, if there's going to be proper investigation, what we need to do is a public inquiry into what happened in, in the school in Aquaibom State, a public inquiry. Constituting, as a matter of fact, I think the body that should be investigating this matter is the Child's Rights Committee of the of the of the Aquaibom State working in conjunction with the police because they are supposed to be the because you can't be a judge in your own cause. If, for example, the school does not have a license to operate, how are they operating? If, for example, all of those policies they are supposed to put in place. They do not put it put it in place. It means the government of Aquaibom has dropped the ball. If they have dropped the ball, how can they be investigating themselves? Are they expected to come out and say that we did not monitor the school to put in place all the regulations they are supposed to put in place? A lot of things have been hush hush. The school keeps talking, the government keeps talking, and the government is talking as if we are exonerated, as if they are not supposed to enforce the law. Now, let me let me make a point from the case that you spoke about. And I will ask you questions, specific questions on the Arulogun case. And uh, now the point you have made is this: you had something. The deliverer to me, law firm, and your law firm had something to work with because yes. the school had in place measures. Now those measures don't have to be perfect. They did not begin to put those measures in place when the problem, when the issue happened. Those measures have been in place because those measures respect the definition of care. To care for children is to anticipate the needs of children, to anticipate the threats to them, to make adequate preparation, to mitigate those threats and meet those needs well before they arise. That is why there is a character chart, you know. That is why there is an anti-bullying policy. That is why there is a process of responding to bullying. That is why all of that were taken before the court and the court has something to work with. Now, in the school that I told you about, um, uh, where our client's son was sexually molested, 
No, no anti-bullying policy, no child protection policy, nothing was on ground to work with. Are you getting what I'm saying? And yes, that sir. is the point we are making. You don't make those, you see, you don't begin now in case management, which is how do you manage a case when it arises, which is what you know the school, the school was able to do. That more 90%, 99% of your actions are taken before abuse of court. All you need to do when an abuse occurs is to show that this is what we have in place by which we manage all of these processes. And I think that is why parents need to be involved in an advocacy. That is why parents, you see, because you see, this is my position, sir. Public school system has failed and has failed woefully. As a matter of fact, what has given rise to the what has given rise to private school is the failure of public school. Now, so if I take my child to a private school, I am I become a regulatory body, sort of, because I'm trying to do what the government has not been able to do for me. And so I become a customer. A customer is always right. A customer can ask questions. A customer can, can be interested in how teachers are recruited. A customer can be interested in the kind of training that the teachers are receiving. A customer can be interested in everything that has to do with the way the school is being run because it's a customer. He wants to be sure. A customer can be interested in quality assurance. How are you doing this thing? Unfortunately, we have a group of parents in Nigeria today who are not aware. They're not even aware of their rights as customers. Some of them are even worshiping the school because of the name of the schools. They registered child one in the school. They wanted to register child school, school child, child two. School tells them that, no, there's no space for child, for child two for now. Your child two is on a waiting list because they want their children to enter child two to enter the school. They try when they are right. They accept everything from the school. So we need to, so if parents in Nigeria can rise and ask critical questions from people who they paid money to, to educate their children, things will be different. And we don't need to wait until something happens for us to be able to do these things. With that in mind, uh, uh, I have had conversation with the Arulo groups. I participated in their program. We have shared platforms because they have decided to create lessons out of their pain. They have decided to do something about their pain to safeguard other children from who, who may have who may experience to prevent other children from experiencing the kind of thing that their daughter experienced, which was appalling, which was very, very sad. And you have you were in the forefront of defending the family. Can you walk us through the lessons? What were the errors? What were the lessons? What can parents who are listening to us, who are listening to us, what can schools who are listening to us, what major lessons can they take away from what happened with the Arulogus? All right, thank from you. The human angle and from the legal angle. Thank you, sir. Uh, I know this is this is your pain. This this is where uh, this is where you want to tie it to. But I'll first of all address I and you, and people like uh, uh, praise for where all of you people that I'm calling names. I don't have the right to. It's just that it's convenient for me to call you names. You praise for where you guys are the leading lights in this sector. I only consider whatever is brought before me, I read on it, and I, I trust God's wisdom to do my best. But 
we should push what we are doing further. And I'm saying it to you. The third sector is not doing enough in Nigeria with respect to child rights. Let, let that sink into our minds. We are not doing enough. We are not doing enough. The third sector outside of Nigeria is as powerful as any government. Nobody makes any policies outside of Nigeria without inputs from the third sector. And that's why when we get, we will get to a point, that time will come in Nigeria that we need to also regulate third sector. We may say that we are not yet ripe for it, but we can't run away from it. Those who advocate child rights in Nigeria, I know only of two people, apart from others who have suffered something and decided like the Arulogons, the movement against uh, negligence in schools, I know of them, it's only you and praise who away. And even looking at all that, that you do with respect is, Chris Wolwer talks about mostly the sexual part. Sexual offenses and all of that. That's what he talks about. You look at it holistically, and I'm, I, I, I love the fact that you started considering the role and negligence of parents as well. But the third sector needs to do more. Understand that we elect leaders who themselves may not know. It's not an offense that they don't know. They simply don't. They don't, they don't know. It's not an offense. It's, there's nothing wrong in electing somebody who does not know. The only thing is that the person who does not know must have the desire to learn. Let us take a run and we can go to speed, at least by Nigerian standards, that, well, they are trying. But really, to build a new Nigeria, it's not that's not good enough. What I and you should do, sir, and the rest of us who are passionate about this, is to use this case, and that's what they do in other parts of the world. You read in the news, whenever a whenever something happens that appears as if there is no control over it, they use it as a moment to enact legislation, even in the name of that incident to ensure that there is no reoccurrence. In the case, in this present case, what we should be doing is to be writing either to international organizations, agencies, or governments to say, let us help you put in place processes for managing educational institutions. If we have done that and they've, they've not called us or they've shut the door against us, then we will know that such governments are not ready. Then you can sue the government. Immediately ahead of this uh, case at Akwaibon, what uh, the same thing you would have thought was the same thing I thought. Let us sue the school. And the where they are at now is that the parents are sued the school for hundred million. Even if they pay that woman hundred million, would this stop any? Would this stop it from happening again? Really and truly, do we really think that hundred million would? be enough to ensure that child goes through rehabilitation and therapy, including the offending students. Because we can't say that, oh, they are bad. So we do away with them. In fact, what punishment are we going to exact? Because if we are looking at this from only legal angle, please, how do we want to drive this charge, sir? 
How many people do we really think that we are going to we are going to prefer a charge against? If they call on you with due respect, sir, that apply for the for fiat from a quite non-state government to prosecute, shouldn't even the commissioner of education be prosecuted? So would you now say that you won't prosecute because uh, uh, you are going to apply for fiat from the accused person? What, what the children? What the children need? You know, you know the position of the law when it comes to offending children, uh, children who are who, who in conflict with the law is is diversion to ensure you know because because in this case, as I've said before, the real culprits are the institutions who did not do their work. It's that, not that the is problem, the real culprit. It's not the problem, but according yes. to the law. Whether it's yes. the criminal criminal law of that state, administration yes. of criminal justice, for whatever yes. it is what, those yes. children themselves have committed a crime. That's where we started from. Yes, they are children. Be... Now, there are children in conflict with the law. It's not a problem. And, I'm, uh, I'm not talking jurisdiction that, now. I'm yes, talking criminal law. If, if there's a family court existing, yes, if there's a family court existing in a quiet state, it yes, becomes... Sir. Direct after social inquiry, you know, there will be basic social inquiry. The Ministry of Youth and Social Development, whatever ministry is responsible, will be involved in conducting social inquiry. And at the end of the day, those children will not will, will be taken before the the family court and behind closed door, you know, the way they do um when it, it depends on it depends on what you think the offense is. There's a mm. civil law part of it which is a thought and looking for compensation. Yes. There is another yes. which is strictly criminal. Which is the criminal say, part of it, yes. Yes, and oh, I, will introduce, yeah. I will introduce the criminal part for a moment. Hold on, sir. Now, okay. if the child that has been sodomized or sexually abused did not consent, is that different from rape? Is that different from debauchery? Is that different from being validated? Because rape now in some states carries life imprisonment. I don't even know if it's not become the capital punishment. I know that uh, we've had uh, an update on our laws in the last two, three years, the different legislative uh, houses, which is why I'm saying that we have not, you have, you have agreed, we have agreed that we don't have proper procedure in place, but we are saying going forward, it's a crime. It cannot stop being a crime. Children commit crime. If it was a child that carried a loaded gun, whether the brother loaded gun from home, something that happened when I was in secondary school, carried a loaded gun from home and shot another student dead, we will say that the child has not committed murder. So let, 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 let me come in. Let, 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 me, let me come in again in, on this issue. You know that when it comes to the issue of sexual abuse or, or sexual molestation, why not call it sexual um, offenses? Um, <laughs> no, no, let's, let's call it sexual abuse. You, you don't have to call it sexual offense. <laughs> no, let's call it abuse is also an offense. Abuse is also yeah, an so offense. So let's call it sexual offenses. Yes. This is not so, abuse. So let me, if let I'm let the parent of a child, I'm not hearing abuse. I'm hearing yes, offense. Let me, let me, for the purpose of this conversation, call it abuse. And if it is an abuse, you know, um, it's also an offense. But okay. you see, you know that there's an argument of advance, which is the father. When two children engage in sex, even when it is supposed to be consensual, they are both committed an offense yes. because a child cannot give consent. Yes, so sir. Both the child, 
Both the child who says I consented and the child who says he consented, one of them yes. who said they had consensual sex, both yes, of sir. the children have committed an offense under the yes. law because they are not supposed to have sexual intercourse. Yes, sir. That is the position of the law. Yes, sir. Now, when a child is sodomized, even the child says, I lie down, sodomize me, put your yes. penis in my anus. Yes. It is the child, what the child is doing is not is not tantamount to consent because in law, the child cannot give consent. You can't do what you yes. do not have. Yes. So at the end of the day, those children, even if it was supposedly consensual, one of them will have been committing an offense. One will have been yes. an accomplice to the other. Yes. Now that now that uh, uh, there's an allegation or that some seniors sexually molested the other the, the, the child in question, what needs to happen is that there are still children in conflict with the law. And what I'm okay. saying is that as children in conflict with the law, the law is not being the law, the philosophy of the law when it comes to children, is not punitive in, 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 in perspective. It is rehabilitative. How do we rehabilitate these children? Now, whether that philosophy conforms with the measure that will be taken by the state is a symposium discussion for another day. So where I, where, where I want us to, to, to dovetail this discussion to, because of the fact that our time is spent, is that I agree with you that the 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 situation in Akwaibom can be used as a springboard for a level of advocacy that would discuss extensively uh, what measures are in place for the protection of children. Now, in the protection of children, you cannot be talking about measures for registration. I own a lot of that. What I want to do at the end of the day, and be, besides having this conversation. I belong to Child Protection Network, you know, in Nigeria. It's an initiative of UNICEF. And one of the things we are doing right now is engaging with the is engaging with the with the bodies, with the institutions in Akwaibom State because we have a formidable uh, uh, we have a formidable chapter there. It's Can engaging. I the Can I hold the authority? Can I hold the authority? Please pause for one moment. I am thinking that we should address this that I'm seeing on screen before you conclude. I'm not stopping you. I'm not disagreeing with you. Okay, yeah. I'm reading something interesting. Okay. Okay. Let me conclude and you will take it. I will take okay. it. Okay. All right. So, so we are also engaging with them at that level. The okay. most important thing at the end of the day is the fact that how do we ensure we build, we make this case memorable and make it a channel or a funnel to call to question the way schools are run, not only in Aquaibom State, but in Nigeria. But we can use Aquaibom State as a template to start with. I think that is the conversation. And at the end of the day, I'm still going to have this conversation next week because next week, I'm bringing the chairperson of Child Protection Network of Aquaibom State on this on this on uh, to have this conversation for that. We want to keep the conversation alive, even as we are making, uh, one of the things I did when this matter happened was to find a way of reaching out to the stakeholders to say what exactly is going on, the way these things need to be handled. You know, because the way we talk about justice for this, justice for that, justice for that, 
What is the color of justice? Justice for Uwa, we make noise, we go to sleep. Justice for this, we make noise, we go to sleep. Justice for this, we make noise, we go to sleep. Society does not develop like that. So I agree with you that what we should be doing, which is what we have set in motion, is to ensure that we take an interest in this matter that makes this matter a sample case to ensure that what is the matter? What measures were in place? Where did the school go? Did the school put all measures in place and it was just human foible? At what point, what is the, at what point did the school get it wrong? What were the things that the school get right? In Like in the case that you mentioned, which is um, the, the Grange case that you, yes. you mentioned. So now, uh, because of the extension of time, I want you to speak to the comment that you saw or uh, that has been made. Then I want you to speak to uh, the lessons that we can pick from the Arulogu case and we begin to conclude okay. tonight. That's fine. So I'll start with this. I see three things that you want me to do. I'll start with this. The lessons from Arulogu case, okay, to yeah. learn. And uh, this present um, comment on the screen and as yeah. well as what Akwai Bomb should be doing right now. Those are the three things I'm going to talk about. Now, so for this comment on the screen, it is wrong. It is a misconception to say schools should be registered as business entities. If you, if we don't know, let us say we don't know. There are companies that are registered as non-governmental, that have um, uh, cognomen of non-governmental organizations, some characteristics of it, and they still make profit. It is very wrong to say schools should be registered as business names because there are ethics that go with educational services. What schools can be registered as will be companies limited by guarantee. And in that circumstance, they will still have a constitution, they would have shareholding to be able to make profit and to be able to open bank accounts. That is something that the state ministries of education will consider. It is, I don't, I'm looking for the best word to use for it. To say schools should go and register as business names is a total zero. And that's what I see, and I suspect this person is a government official. That's number one. So look at the process for accrediting schools to uh, offer those services, number one. Number two, with respect to the Arulogun case now, the Arulogun case um, ended in a way we did not like. And I can guarantee you that every other case will end like that. There will be pressures, there will be blackmail, because these private institutions are oftentimes initiatives or spiritual organizations of which I am a part. We don't want to solve the name. We don't want to destroy the personality of these people. We want God's name to be glorified all the time. That is what I live for. That's how the Arulogun case ended. Ultimately, that was what we were faced against. Do not solve the name. Do not solve. Even I, I don't feel happy that Deeper Life, as a, a, church, a respected church organization in Nigeria, a faith, is going through this process. Now, with respect to the Aaron Logan case, number one, school, the school was not registered to do what they were doing, and they were the ones creating their own policies. It is Ogun State government we are talking about. I just looked at the child rights law of Lagos State. There's a local government implementation committee. There's a state government implementation committee. At the level of the federal government, there's an implementation committee. Who is constituting them? In Nigeria, that you don't even constitute boards. People forget that you have boards. And those who are even members forget that their tenure has ended. And everything becomes politicized. So, first of all, going forward, educational institutions should not, we should not leave it to them as their responsibility 
to provide these guidelines. When a school wants to, uh, when an individual or an entity wants to start a school, give them a checklist. And this network you are talking about, and I will not talk about that network today. What we should be doing is to offer these services to the state governments. I, I don't know, I won't ask you, but I know you will not get there. I'm not advocating that for government. I'm providing it as a service. I'm providing it as a service, as a legal practitioner or as a child rights expert. These are the docu this is the kind of documentation you require as a state to regulate schools. You will pay me to offer you that service. I'm not, it's not advocacy that I'm talking about now. You have talked about child uh, clinical network. I've never had them say this is the policy number one or policy number two that we released to advise governments. It's what World Bank does and international agencies. You want our money, you must follow these policies. They write those policies. Mr. Akilami, are we writing policies? That's what I'm saying. Are we writing to Akwaibom state government to say, the Akwaibom state governor is a Christian. I see him at our church. I don't think he will be happy that this is happening. Has anybody written to him that we can help you formulate policies from A to Z so that this does not occur again? Pay us. That's what I'm talking about. Now, if anybody, if nobody wants to do that, then we'll wait and see. That's from the Arulo Guangu. It became messy. It never ends properly. It never. In Lagos State, Lagos State that is supposed to be the leading uh, state in the Federation, what, 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 uh, what forensic services do we have? What rehabilitation services do we have? They have a Mirabel Center or something. That was an, a private initiative that the government has adopted. But how capable, how competent are those managing it as of today? So until we start seeing these things as a separate business, nothing would happen. Mr. Toya Arunogun, one of the most vibrant clients I've ever met in my life, he pushed it single-handedly until he could not push anymore. The school was not sanctioned. No, the school will not be sanctioned. Churches in Nigeria are powerful. And I'm a Christian, and I belong to one of the strongest denominations in Nigeria. But we're, we're not regulated. And that's not because we don't want to be regulated. That's because the government is too busy doing something else. In Nigeria, where you are celebrating that some students were kidnapped and they came back, you don't know whether they were rescued. You don't know whether they were released. You don't know whether ransom was paid. Is that that government that will not be thinking about the molested one child? They'll say, oh, it's so unfortunate. That child may never come out of that thing. Do we have therapy centers? Do we have rehabilitation centers to rehabilitate both the offenders and the, the affected victim? Those are the things, and those things have to be documented as policies for the government that does not know. Is what I'm talking about. So I've addressed the Arunogo issue. I've addressed uh, this present instance for Akwa Ibom State Government. You need to write policies so that it doesn't happen again. Even at all, children get children get sexually abused in their own families, in their own homes, in their own communities, in garages, on the streets. So yes. the government makes it imperative. We don't value life, not to talk of valuing a child. That is why you are doing what you are doing, sir. It behoves on us to say, government, we are not just shouting because we are human rights activists. We are professionals who offer these services. World standard. So, and we have provided, yes. we, have, we have submitted what we can do to you. Are you going to accept yes. or not? If you are not going to accept, then you will be paying judgment song 
from year to year for yeah. anybody who cares to enforce their rights. That's my solution. Uh, those were insightful contributions. Uh, I'm going to be making my final comments and um, I'll also uh, give you an opportunity to make your closing remarks. But let me make my, I'm making my final comments. Uh, the comments you have made, made, you know, are powerful comments. Let me first say that number one is the fact that um, we are dealing with, so when, when you look at, so let me speak to the whole idea of offering services. You know, my journey as my journey started as a child's rights activist. But in the process of my work, I moved from being a child rights activist to being a subject matter expert, working with UNICEF, British Council, SOS Student Village, providing professional services in the area of policy development, policy development training and all of that. Now, I do a lot of work with government, not because I've never been contracted by any government. It is because that UNICEF is interested in establishing certain systems. They engage me. And because the body they want to work with is government, I'm a, I have to interface with government in the course of carrying out the project that UNICEF has engaged me to do, or British Council has engaged me to do, or ROLAC as escaped me to do, or SOS Students Village has engaged me to do. Now, or UNFPA has engaged me to do. When I'm doing those projects, I interface with government. Now, in the course of my interfacing with government, I came to the realization that, you know, government is not interested in people, not to talk of children. Now, so when you talk about, now I work with the Lagos State Government in 2016 to develop a statewide policy for children in Lagos State, that same thing, that same document uh, in Lagos, the child, child, child safeguarding and protection uh, policy in Lagos State, which I was one of the SME that worked on, when I was called upon to work on that document, I did not charge the Lagos State government one naira. I that sat is. in that committee, you know, because you know the reason. Now let me explain something to you. For me, at every point in time, you know, Paul. Paul in the Bible made a statement which is very clear. He said, if I preach the gospel and I charge for it, it is, it is, it is my right. But because I want, I don't want anybody to be with any excuse, I forgot that right. When the Lagos State Government called upon me, and I say it anywhere, when the Lagos State Government called, called upon me to say, we want you to work with us on this policy, I didn't give them a bill. I sat with them for over six months. We turned our office upside down. The meetings I could not attend, my team attended. And we came up with a policy for every child in Lagos State, not only, not only, not only, um, not only schools, everywhere children gather. Now that policy has been in existence for four years and going to another review. Not only that, when we finished, I was in, invited to be part of the implementation committee of that policy. We had we have had a we had a meeting in January 9, 2017. I mean, my my comment in that meeting was, we have over eighteen thousand schools in Lagos State. We have thousands of hospitals. We have religious bodies. Well, we, you want us to implement this law? Please. What is your budget? We know the law now because that policy became an executive order in Lagos State. In, in December 16, 
2016. So the executive order is here. How do we implement? We need resources to implement. As a matter of fact, awareness alone to have stakeholders meetings to bring to the fore the fact that this policy exists. Stakeholders among church, among religious bodies, stakeholder meetings among schools and all of that, stakeholder meetings among parents. It is the agency of government, one of the agencies of government, domestic and sexual violence response team, being led by Titivai Vardeni, that spearheaded the whole idea of doing the bits they can do. I was in a meeting before uh, Mr. Suwolu was elected. It was a meeting of stakeholders to have a conversation with him as to what must be done. And in that meeting, I brought it to his attention that, look, Mr. Governor Toby, you need to understand that there, we need to build on existing foundation. Are you aware there is a policy in Lagos State that protects every child that set out processes of what schools need to do, what religious place of worship needs to do, that makes it mandatory for everyone running every child-focused organization to have a policy in place on which everybody is trained. I work extensively with them to develop that policy. And he said, once he came into power, those were one of the things he was going to visit. I said, he's going to visit it tomorrow. So this is my disposition. We work with private organizations. The great we have talked, we are working, talking, great, we work with them to develop, you know, processes. We work with different organizations to offer these services, processes, policies, training. We have a robust engagement with organizations at that level. You know, the reason why we not contact the Akwai Bomb State Government to say that we can offer these services, except we are going to work through CPN, is to say that, you know, the way we think here is that it's an opportunity for business. Meanwhile, is an opportunity for business. What's wrong with now, that? Yes, now, 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 it's different when it comes to the kind of work that we do, you know, because, because this area that we are operating in, you know, has been bastardized by many people. And we have to be careful how we, how we engage. So for me, going forward, for me, I am interested in engaging, which I've communicated to the stakeholders. I'm interested in engaging. If, if Deeper Life brings me, brings me to say, help us do a systems review, that's a different matter. If by agitation, agitation which we are going to continue to do in a quiet bomb state, we are able to get audience. If by agitation, to say this is what we believe you should do. That's the Akwai uh, uh, State Government. We are work, we are doing all that also. But at the end of the day, I agree with you completely. This case must become a springboard by which we bring to the fore what is going on, you know, within the school system. And it is important to also note that my role is safety. I'm not, I'm, I'm, and safety to this. So if I talk about management, is to the extent of safety of children within the school system. Our management can enhance that. So, so for me, these policies are in place. I tell you, I, I had a broadcast a few days, uh, uh, a few months ago, just as they were lifting the lockdown. I said, Nigerian children are often are orphans. Why are they orphans? Whether they are from the upper cost or the lower cost, they are orphans. Why? Because we have ceded the responsibility of raising our children to international organizations. If you go to all the specialized police units in Lagos State, they are not being funded by the federal government, they are not being funded by the Lagos State government, they are being funded by UNICEF. 
That is not a sector reform. It's not being funded by the Lagos State government. Justice reform when it comes to family court and all of that is being funded by UNICEF and Rona. That's the same thing you are doing. We bring what they call counterpart funding. That's what you are doing. When a foreign organization is the one raising your children, because in the meeting that we had, we were talking about my grandchildren. And in that meeting, government officials were there. And I told them, I said, we are talking about my grandchildren again. It is United Nations that is leading the conversation here. Is the United Nations that is leading the organization? The conversation in, in United Kingdom. Is the United Nations that is leading the organization in Finland, in Scandinavian countries? Is the United Nations that is leading the conversation in America? It is the government that leads the conversation and, and use the standard of United Nations to drive whatever they are doing. But here, it is United Nations that is leading the conversation that is asking us, telling us what to do. And so I told them, I said, when you continue like this, what you are saying is that your children are orphans, they are not worthy of your investment. And there's no clear revelation of the soul of a society than how they treat their children. So at the end of the day, the Nigerian child is not a citizen of Nigeria because there's nothing today that accrues to him by virtue of the fact that he's born here. Meanwhile, it's not supposed to be a grand citizen, it's supposed to be a citizen. When nothing agrees accrues to the parent, what are you talking about, children? So I agree with you that we don't care about people. That is the problem. Now, what happens is that all this kind of situation is an opportunity for the Aquaibom State Government to grandstand. It's an opportunity for them to come out to make us feel as if they are doing something. But for some, for some of us who know better, we are supposed to have tougher questions. And those are the questions we are going to be asking in the days ahead to ensure that within our power, we do the much we can do to ensure that this matter does not become another justice for this, justice for that, and the matter is swept under the carpet. On a final note, before I take your final comment on the issue of registration of schools, I believe that the registration of school is a corporate governance issue that must take into cognizance the running of a school that can manage the talent, the destiny of children. When, when, when you talk about registering a school as a business name, it may not be wrong in the eye of the law. But when it comes to, because there are schools that are registered as business names, there are schools that are registered as trust council, uh, as a trustee, like, like uh, Corona, there are schools that are registered as uh, incorporated trustee, there are schools that are registered as limited ability company, there are schools that are registered as... Uh, uh, limited by guarantee. Now, the law gives the latitude for schools to register under all of those. When you go to CSE to say you are running a school and it's a business, then they won't stop you. But the advocacy must be what kind of registration creates a, a corporate governance system that can manage the talent, the destiny, the diversity of, of the convergence of talent, of destiny that come to school. It cannot be one-man business. A school cannot be a one-man business or cannot be a couple's business. Where every decision is taken by a couple, every decision is taken by a person. Now, we, we have, to, and that is talking about strong corporate governance advocacy to say that when you are running a school, are you running a board? Uh, is doing extensive work in that area. Rotimia Itayo is doing extensive work in that area. 
Atali Bosadet Oku has taken upon himself to talk about management, the board of a school. And I've facilitated one or two programs for him when he's talking about all of these issues. I think what we need to advocate for is a strong corporate governance system. The schools we are talking about that are doing well, you know, if you can say that, are schools that are running as a board. Now, grades is, 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 is the principle of grades is answerable to a board. It's not answerable to a man and a woman somewhere. It's answerable to a board because the issues of managing the talent, destiny of children, are very critical that they cannot be subjected to the wins and caprices of a man or a woman, no matter how brilliant they think they, they, think they are. So for me, I think, going forward, we need to have a strong advocacy. I I, I think that people like Rotimir Itayo, whose forte is school management, people like Boswade Doku, whose forte is school management, we need to work holistically, we need to work as a team to see what we can begin to do to advance an advocacy to say, you don't just register in school. CAC is too, is, is, you, you cannot leave the whole idea of registration of school to school to CAC and Ministry of Education, where we know how porous some of these organizations can be. So for me, and if I'm going to summarize our conversation tonight, I would say that we have had a conversation that says, we need a system review. We have, we have had a convention that says our parents need to be informed. We have a convention that has said we need to use this case as a springboard to ensure that this thing does not happen again. We have had a conversation that is saying that it appears, it's not that it appears, as that it, the situation is government is here to recognize children as a pivotal link between the present and the future. And to understand that they need to make huge investment in children. It is only when matters like this arise, and matters like this arise, that the government wants to show that they are working. What did you do to prevent it? That is the question. And so um, I'm going to take your final thoughts and um, we'll, we'll begin to conclude. Thank you very much. All right, so it's it's not a lot. Ms. or Olu, thank you for your great comments. Um, I agree with you. I see your point. Uh, only thing being that um, we need to start becoming intentional. That's how I can somewhat, uh, Mr. Kilami has said, we need to become intentional and decisive. I don't also think that um, it should be left to uh, an advocacy issue alone or an advocacy issue at all. I think that uh, even when we um, elect leaders, this should become uh, matters that are uh, discussed in the course of um, um, electioneering so that there's, um, there's a direction for institutions uh, when they assume office. It's a, it's a sad event. It's just one grain of so many uh, issues that uh, governments are bedeviled with. It's a new year. Uh, I think more should be done by uh, third sector participants. I agree on some coordination, I agree on corporate governance, but I would hasten to say there's nothing wrong with a couple establishing a school. The only thing is that, uh, and I'm sure that's the message Mr. Kenami is passing, is that they will constitute a board that will be independent and that will be uh, filled with experts who can uh, uh, bring to bear the required uh, attention and expertise. Uh, so on that note, I'm happy that I've been invited. I'm hoping that um, 
this will be constructive engagement uh, while we apportion blames we should uh, provide the, the necessary protocol not as alternatives but as necessities immediately thank you very much thank you very much everyone um my brother thank you so much for coming tonight uh at a short notice you know when we started having this conversation about you coming you you made humbling statements that you are committed you are here and yes. we have been here for some hours we have been having this conversation please yes. note ladies and gentlemen we are not reciprocity of knowledge when it comes to this it's just that we, we have dedicated our lives and um, to this to these issues so we welcome your we welcome your comments and all of that please if for whatever reason we misunderstand you it's not intentional we are just and and if we if we don't speak the way these matters are occurring to us as they are hot it's going to be tough for us to bring out what is already what is really inside of us what we are trying to do is to advance society and the way to advance society you know my conversation on children's rights before used to be you know working with private organizations making comments government and all of that and this year particularly or three years ago 2017 yes i began to feel that if uh, it was uh, my friend delivered to me that started calling my attention to say mm. if nigeria is a, is problematic what will happen to children your your crusade for the rights of children must envisage the state of the nation i understand that you know but i wasn't i wasn't making copious comments in that regard mm. and in 2017 i began to see that the agitation for the rights of children the issue of parenting mm. cannot be discussed without discussing the role of government mm -hmm. government has a role to play then if we are saying Government has no role to play. Then let's abo abolish government. Let's abolish government. Let's go back to the state of nature. I become a government unto myself. I establish my own police. I drive the way I want to. I do anything I want. And let's see the chaos that will ensue from there. So if government is still existing, you can't talk about prosperity. You can't talk about faith. You can't talk about children. You can't talk about anything without talking about the role of government because the government is supposed to, if you, if you understand social contract, the government contract. is supposed to be responsible for creating a, a level playing field and enabling the environment for people to thrive. That was yes, why when there was a crisis in the economy of Greece or, 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 or the country that had problems, they were not calling motivational speakers, they were asking for bailout. When Obama became the president of America, he was not calling John C. Maxwell. He was not calling Brand Tracy to come and motivate people. He mm. was talking about bailout. How do we bail out the automobile industry? How do we bail out the, 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 the banking industry? That bailout, the government came to play a major role. That is why there's stimulus now, two regimes of stimulus in America, because of pandemic. We have not seen that happen here. So for me, at the end of the day, the conversation goes back to the agitation we must have to ensure that those who have been elected as government officials do their work. Not only that, yeah. the conversation must now go to how do we influence the process of electing and choosing these people? How do we influence it? And my brother that you are looking at here was a gubernatorial candidate at a time in Lagos State. 
because he wanted to give expression to that to say we cannot continue to stay on the screen to complain that what is going on is going on we must play a role so we are genuine people interested in moving this country forward and that is why we're having all the conversation that we're having so we offend you in any way we, we say any things that you don't like it is not intentional please so you can follow my brother um uh Yinka on uh, on facebook is active on facebook you can follow him on instagram uh i'm on instagram and on twitter i'm on twitter i'm on um i'm on i'm on um we have a group you know uh on on, on instagram uh we have a group on facebook uh, our materials we have materials that can help you to start conversations for example how do you ensure that children are safe online we have materials yeah. that you can get on amazon uh, that you can get on, 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 on Okada Books and you can get on Stella. We publish a comic, nine editions right now that we have on Okada Books that you can pick up. We have a, a material on 123-page template. How do you secure a friendly and a protective environment for children with policy templates, with family construction templates? If you are using it as a tool, there's a template there. If you are using it as a, as a family, there's a template there. It has done all the thinking and all the work for you it's just for you to follow. It's one to three pages of a material that you need to, you need to, you need to, you need to, you need to have. So, how do you inculcate value in children? We have a material there. Uh, uh, show up, stand out, show up. And if you have been following my colleague, Olabi uh, 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 she has been doing a reading from that particular, uh, from that particular book in the last few weeks. Not only that. We have a channel which we launched on November 20 this year. It's a channel for children where we are trying to bring out the voice of children to advocate for their own rights because we believe that children have a role to play in their personal safety and self-protection. Subscribe to that channel. Get your children to go there. You know, thank you very much for joining us tonight. Uh, Mr. Oyeniki, thank you so yes. much for being part of this program tonight. I appreciate yes, you. I celebrate you. I look forward to having this conversation again. Do not forget this Power Parenting Weekly. We are discussing parenting and we are saying that parenting is a four-dimensional responsibility between the, the family, the community, the state, and the international community. There is no family that is equipped enough anywhere in the world to raise children single-handedly. We say, though, family is first, but family is not all. Family is just a part. When the family is not supported, we are not able to raise children that will make a difference in the community of nations. Thank you very much for joining us tonight. It's been my pleasure being with you. God bless you. Have a wonderful night. And thank you, sir, for coming.